Welcome back, Richard. Today we are going to discuss a topic that we have talked about before, but you know it's always good to come back and and revisit a topic because um, you know people sometimes have a hard time finding older podcasts that where we talk about different things. Um, but bipolar disorder is a is a largely misunderstood diagnosis, and it's frequently misdiagnosed. And my goodness, is more maybe even more often self-diagnosed right. uh, by people. Right. Yeah, we've noticed over the years. Um, well, first of all, we've noticed a dramatic increase right. in um, in the number of people diagnosed with bipolar disorder. I remember you and I faced this uh, several years ago with children. Right. Uh, prior to twenty thirteen, um, the the uh, diagnosis of bipolar. In fact, the diagnosis of bipolar disorder in children increased by 2,000% since 1995, you know, so, so there's this, this enormous explosion in the use of the diagnosis in children. It's also increased uh, in adults, but even more alarming is that there are many people coming in and saying, I think I have bipolar disorder, you know, as, as people learn about these diagnoses and, and can Google things, um, many people are coming in and they're concerned that either they or a, a significant other has this diagnosis. And, and, and I thought, well, given the increase, um, let's take another look at it, see what's going on in the field of bipolar disorder. Um, and you can begin, and I think one of the reasons we have this problem is that the mood changes that we typically associate with bipolar disorder are so common. I mean, all of us have mood changes. Right, absolutely. And, you know, a few months ago, we did a podcast where we talked about the differences between moods and emotions and feelings and all those. Right. I think that where this really comes to bear is the, is in knowing the difference between those things, you know, mood is a, is an underlying, um, usually long-term state, um, not even emotional state. It's just a state of being. Right. And and so it's pretty stable typically over long periods of time. Our emotions, however, are up and down all the time, usually dependent upon things that are going on around us. So, you know, you can be in a, in a good mood, um, you you know, a, a stable mood, we'll say, and um, have really high feelings, really low feelings, and then, you know, really angry feelings, really happy feelings, all of those throughout the day. But the overall mood is still sort of stable and, and, and uh, maintains. Where we're talking about bipolar disorder, the difference here, as we, as we kind of are going to get into, is that that underlying stability is not there. So it's the underlying mood, not mm-hmm. the emotions that change, but it's the mood that changes. And most of the time people talk about they have mood swings. Well, really what they're talking about are emotional swings. They're really talking about their feelings or their emotions at the moment. You right. know, it's, it's how I feel right now. And, you know, we talk about, we don't look forward to Monday mornings. You know, many people, they sort of feel down on, on uh, Sundays because they don't really look forward to going to work on Monday. Or, you know, you wake up some days and you just don't feel very good. I mean, you just, you know, kind of a blah day. We call it a bad hair day or something like that. Um, and sometimes we're sad for no reasons. And other times we're happy for no reason. <laughs> when you think about it, you know, I don't know why I'm down today, but we can just as easily say, well, I don't, I don't know why I feel good today. There's nothing different. I just feel a little bit better today. Um, some days you have patience with other people and some days 
you don't have much patience with other people. And so all of those little fluctuate, those day-to-day feelings um, will change from time to time. But that's, and they change because I, I think a, a good way to think about it is that our feelings are governed by or affect, not governed by, they're affected by the chemicals in our brain. And we have over a hundred of those chemicals. We don't really understand them very well because we're only now beginning to, we're just beginning to get the technology that we need to study those brain chemicals. Mm -hmm. But our brain chemicals come from the foods we eat. We extract brain chemicals from the foods we eat. And unless you eat the same thing every single day, because most of us eat a variety of foods, the, the circulating brain chemicals are going to change from day to day. So maybe it's affected by our diet. Maybe it's affected by the moon. We're hearing about the blood moon and all that stuff going on these days. Maybe it's affected by the, we really don't know, but we know that we, we, our feelings and our emotions fluctuate from day to day and they fluctuate within a day. Right. Okay? But those little fluctuations are not what we're talking about here. Right. No, a- absolutely. And, and it's really, you know, when you think about what most people say when they talk about mood swings, what they're talking about is some reaction to something that happened in the immediate, um, you know, setting. And so um, a lot of times emotions, like you said, are, are um, based upon what we eat. They're based upon and based upon what we're experiencing at a particular time. So it is very much a, a state condition. It's like whatever state you're in at that moment is going to help you know, determine what your mood is. And so you could have somebody who's severely depressed, severely depressed, and you can put on a a comedy and they can laugh at the comedy. They can even maybe even enjoy the movie, but they're still depressed. They're still depressed, right. That's what makes things so confusing for folks sometimes because, you know, well, how can he be depressed when he seems to be really enjoying what's going on over there? Or how can she be depressed if, you know, she's, you know, doing this or that because depression is, is the underlying mood and it's not their, their, you know, surface level emotions that they're feeling at the time. Right. Right. And that's the important distinction. We're talking about a mood versus um, a, 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 a temp, an emotion or a feeling that we have moment to moment. Mm-hmm. Right, absolutely. So, so one of the articles that we posted in the show notes um, talks about different symptoms uh, associated with um, bipolar disorder, and it kind of goes into a little bit more detail of some of the things that we're talking. And the other one is from the National Institutes of Mental Health because we thought, well, let's start with some kind of um, broad definition right. of what what is bipolar disorder. And bipolar disorder. It's also known as manic depressive illness or manic depressive disorder. It was once uh, referred to as that. Bipolar is two poles, mania and depression. And, and people switch back and forth between those two things. But it's uh, National Institutes of Mental Health defines bipolar disorder as a mental disorder that causes unusual shifts in mood, energy, activity level, concentration, and the ability to carry out day-to-day tasks. So just in that definition, you see that it's much more than how I'm feeling, that I'm, that I'm kind of down today. There's much more to bipolar disorder than just mood. We have to think about energy level, activity level, the ability to concentrate. And we'll talk about those things as we go through this. 
Okay. The other thing is, is that less than 3% of the population um, will experience this in a single year. The, the actual rates of this are pretty low when you think about it. So, so it's pretty low. The problem is that people who actually have the diagnosis are severely impaired by it. And I think that's why bipolar disorder has come to the attention of professionals um, as well as lay people. People are concerned because the bipolar disorder that you hear about ends up being a pretty significant um, life event. Absolutely. And, and many times that is because, uh, you know, folks with bipolar disorder, like with other, many other mental health conditions, you know, still aren't really receiving treatment. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when it comes to bipolar disorder, many times folks go decades. Right. The first episode, whether it's a manic episode or depressive episode, before they're correctly diagnosed. Right. So they're, they're inadequately treated, inadequately identified and diagnosed, and, and they go a long time without adequate treatment. And so, you know, these symptoms do worsen and it creates a great deal of problems for many people. Um, right. As you said, you know, the, the criteria or the, the mood swings or the mood poles are mania and depression. And, um, you know, either end can cause significant difficulties for, for the folks. Right. And the other problem is mania can look like many other things. It can look like ADHD, hyperactivity, and depression can look like many other things. And so is it just depression? So then you have to look for, is there a cycle of mania? So it does take time to sort out this diagnosis. And, and it can be a long time before the diagnosis is actually clarified. And that's true developmentally as well, because in, in young children and even in adolescents, this can mimic many other diagnoses and, and you just don't know. It's uh, bipolar disorder presents very differently in young children and young teenagers than it does in adults. So, um, but there are, there are three types and I think this is important. The other thing is there are three types of bipolar disorder. Right. And the reason I like to talk about this is that when you talk about the first type of bipolar disorder, when you talk about mania, you're talking about mania that lasts for seven days. Right. And that's a pretty strict criterion. Absolutely. You're not, you're not just up one or two days. This is a sustained state of being. Absolutely. And, and yeah, bipolar disorder type one is the is sort of the stereotypic um, traditional bipolar disorder that most people talk about. And, and look, the, the reality is, is that to meet criteria for bipolar disorder type one, really all you ever have to have had is a manic episode. Right. Um, bipolar disorder type one doesn't even require the experience of, of a depressive episode. Right. Um, you have to have had a manic episode. And as you said, a manic episode has to last at least seven days, unless, mm -hmm. unless the symptoms are so bad that you have to be hospitalized. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And it's medically, you're, you're sort of medically taken down from the, the manic episode. And, and so we're talking about, we're not talking about, you know, I was fine this morning and then, you know, I was in traffic and all of a sudden I'm raging out in traffic. And then I get to the office and I'm, you know, in a better mood because there was some cake. And so I felt better. That's a mood swing. That's a emotional swing, but that's not what we're talking about with mania. Mm -hmm. So they, they, they have to last at least a week. 
And if it's a depressive episode, a depressive episode has to last at least two weeks. Right. It's right. not just, you know, I was, I was feeling down for even for a couple of days. Even a couple of days. Exactly. So it has to last two weeks. That's right. And this long-term, again, remember if we think about moods as sort of that long-term underlying um, stability, um, for something to last a week and then go away, that's in, un, unstable. That's, um, that's a mood fluctuation. Um, mm-hmm. That's pretty significant when we're talking about mood, not emotions, but when we talk right. about mood. That's right. So to have this first type, this bipolar, these manic episodes are so significant. As you say, people are often hospitalized right. during these episodes because they're so dramatic, they're so significant, they're so problematic that many people, um, and this has happened to some people I've known who, um, uh, you know, there's almost a complete break with reality during the manic episode. So these are very, if you're talking about bipolar disorder one, you're talking about a very significant right. manic episode, long lasting, and you're talking about a very significant depressive episode. So right. there, would, there, would be few, there would be little to question if Absolutely. somebody's having true mania or a two week depression. There aren't many questions left. Absolutely, and and you know the um, the the idea that um, you know they they build up sometimes mm-hmm. they happen over a period of time. Sometimes there's sort of a ramping up that can happen. But you know, I, I like that you said um, the break from reality because you know we used to refer to or mania used to be referred to in much the same kind of terms as a psychotic break. Exactly. <laughs> we call it a manic break or a psychotic break. And, you know, there, there is this relationship between it just sometimes, um, while sometimes it ramps up, sometimes it just happens. Right. And, right. Um, and, and it's unpredictable. And, um, you know, there's things that you can do to try to reduce the, the mm-hmm. likelihood that it will happen. But right. the, by definition, it has to cause a serious impairment. Mm-hmm. You know, it has to cause a imp- significant impairment in functioning to meet right. criteria for a manic episode or a depressive episode. And, and those types of mania and depression that we associate with bipolar one typically are impaired. And, yeah. and there's no question that they're impaired. Okay. Absolutely. So, yeah, so bipolar one is, is pretty dramatic, pretty easy to spot. Absolutely. A little more confusing with bipolar two. Right, because with bipolar two, all the symptoms are exactly the same. Right. Um, exactly the same. The only difference, the only difference is that they call it hypomania instead of mania. Hypo meaning less than. Um, so it's just right. under um, mania. And so the symptoms are there, but there's not a significant impairment in functioning. And what's fascinating to me, and what, one of the reasons I always love teaching uh, students about bipolar disorder is because um, you know, there's only a couple of conditions, this diagnosis that we can think about that doesn't require an impairment in functioning. And hypomania is one of them. Yeah. Um, it's one of the only um, diagnoses, things that we identify in mental in, in the field of mental health that doesn't require an impairment in functioning. So if a person is experiencing all those symptoms of mania, but they're still going to work every day, they're maintaining relationships, they aren't getting into any trouble, they're not spending more money than they should, they're not engaging in any inappropriate behaviors, then that could be hypomania, um, but it's probably not mania because there's not that impairment in functioning. Right, that's right. And it usually doesn't last as long. 
and it's usually not as uh, dramatic. It's not as intense, okay? And it's the same with depression. It doesn't last as long. It's not quite as intense, but I think it's, you're right. If you, if you think about it in terms of impairment, these are less impairing characteristics than we have with bipolar one. Right. Absolutely. And then the third type is called cyclothymia, uh, cyclothymic disorder. Um, and this is, again, a little more difficult to spot, although there's a time period here that does make it easier. Yeah, and, and I'll, I'll say I've, I've never, I don't, I don't know that I've ever diagnosed anyone with cyclothymia. Um, I've, di I've diagnosed with folks with the depression version of cyclothymia, which is something called dysthymia. Um, it used, it's now called persistent depressive, depressive disorder. Um, but these are, these are mood, um, uh, episodes that last a very long time. Right. It's right. A, um, a very low level mania, mm -hmm. hypomania, or very low level depression right. that lasts a year or two. Um, mm -hmm. In fact, for adults, it has last two years. Um, right. One of these episodes has the last two years. And for kids and, and, and adolescents, it can only last, only has last a year for the diagnosis. But we're talking about very long term. Um, persistent presence of these uh, symptoms. Right, so in each of the types, um, bipolar one, bipolar two, and cyclothymia, you have the same characteristics of mania and depression. In bipolar one, it's very severe, bipolar two, a little less severe, and in cyclothymia, even less severe. It's, it's hypo-hypomania, you know, um, it, it's both characteristics, but very low levels, the difference being very long lasting. Okay, for cyclothymia, okay? So before, before you jump to conclusions, remember the three types and remember that intensity and impairment become the issues. So the, the article we posted has, um, it, it, what I like about it is, you know, you wonder, is it bipolar disorder? Well, this author does a very nice job of listing 13 signs and symptoms of bipolar disorder that may be of concern. Right. And, and the first is, is the mood. Um, and, and here we're mainly talking about mania, right? Um, and so for mania, we, there's that elevated or um, heightened mood um, that's usually high, very high energy. Um, right. You know, as they're working up and, you know, sometimes a person can start in sort of a hypomanic state and if they're not careful and if they don't recognize it and do something about it, it can lead to mania. Um, so, you know, when it's in that hypomanic phase, it could be very tolerable. You know, the person is working a lot. They are not really needing much, you know, sleep, but they're, they're feeling, feeling very good. Mm -hmm. And, and Richard, I know that you've had this experience. A lot of times people who are in hypomania, they love how they feel. They, they love. Really, that's right. The problem with this is they enjoy the energy. Right. Because you can be terribly creative, terribly productive. And I think we can, we can see this with some artists. You know, you hear about artists working for three or four days without sleep, and they just are extraordinarily productive. And many people like that kind of elevated feeling. Um, but it's still hypomania and can be a serious problem. Right. Because especially once it gets to mania, um, to a manic um, level of um, energy, Mm -hmm. As you said earlier, there is there is this somewhat break from reality um, that lasts a considerable amount of time, 
And, you know, we're talking about people who sleep one or two hours a night and, but still are like going, 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 going all day long. And, um, you know, they talk, well, we'll get to some of the other symptoms, but that um, they, they feel good, but they are just constantly moving. Right, right. Uh, to the point where it's alarming. Right, right. right. The second one is the inability to complete tasks. Right. Now, be careful with this one because most of us have, <laughs> we're, many of us have trouble completing tasks. And we go, well, I do that, you know. Um, but this is, remember, we're talking about intensity here. Right. Yeah. And okay. so here we're talking about like a person going from task to task to task. Um, and let's then uh, very quickly make sure that we note that this is a different from typical. So we're not talking about an ADHD person who is um, going from task to task to task sort of impulsively. Right. What we're talking about is the person normally completes what they're doing and manages things pretty well. And now they're in this, this period of time where they're not doing that. They, mm-hmm. They're not completing what they need to complete. They're going, you know, um, especially taking on more than they can, they can handle. Um, mm-hmm. they, they take on more and more projects or, you know, tasks that they're going to do. And there's just no way that they can do it. And if you think of the cycles, when you're in that hypomanic or manic phase, you want to jump in and get a bunch of stuff done, but that only lasts for a few days and then you slip into depression and then you don't feel like doing anything. Right. So it's a start, a start, stop, start, stop, depending on the cycles that you're going through. But these are, again, these are impairments. These are, you know, spouses come in and say, well, he has a thousand things, the garage and the room and the, playroom and the kids room, and the, you get these complaints that go way beyond as you say ADHD or simple distractibility I mean these are these are people who 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 have um large during the manic phase they'll take on these gigantic projects like I'm going to redo a, a room and they start the room and it's left on it's unfinished after a year right absolutely now, now the third is a little bit difficult to talk about on a um on a family friendly but, um, you know, there is a phenomenon that we often see in people who are especially experiencing a manic episode, um, um, simply called hypersexuality. And so the person becomes very uh, provocative. They become very um, risky in their um, experiences with other people. And throughout the course of Bipolar, you know, on mania, you can, at the mania end, you can have that type of presentation. Um, but on the other end, then you may have complete avoidance of any type of intimate relationship with anyone. And so you go from, you know, lots of partners, um, risky behaviors on one end to the complete avoidance and disinterest and inability um, right. on the other end. Right. And when you think about, again, you think about mania, hypomania, I want more and more and more and more and more. Well, it's not, it's not unthinkable that it would um, also affect your sex life or eating or the use of money. Um, it affects all areas of your life, including your sex or, and interpersonal relationships. Absolutely. Yeah. There's a lot of risk-taking behaviors that happen there. So now the next um, is depression and that is, um, you know, the depression, like we talked about mania on one end, depression on the other end. And um, it, it's very similar to depression that we think of traditionally. Right. But our treatment for this depression associated with bipolar disorder is very different. 
Yeah, here there's a big caution flag that should go up with depression because the depression looks the same. I mean, depression is depression. But when the depression that's associated with bipolar disorder is a little different. And one of the big differences is that it may not respond to antidepressant treatment. In fact, it may make it worse. We used to, we used to talk about that with children. Um, and I know that I, I think the same thing exists in adults. Even if you treat the depression, even if it's successfully treated, you treat the depression, but it allows the mania to appear, to, to percolate to the surface. And so um, depression in bipolar disorder has a little different flavor than it does in um, unipolar depression. Absolutely. And, you know, and that's a big risk because, yeah, you have, you know, you treat the depression with antidepressants and you have that risk for creating a manic episode, which is the, which is the phase or the time period wherein the person is most dangerous mm -hmm. to themselves, you know, most at risk for harming themselves. Um, and so we have to be really careful of that. And, you know, I, I think that this also introduces what is really a big concern for people um, early in their identification of, of bipolar disorder, because, you know, many times, at least 50% of the time, sometimes higher, more, depending on the, the research you're looking at, um, they have a depressive episode first. Mm -hmm. So if the person has never had a manic episode, but they're sort of, um, it, and this is hard to, you know, you have to think about it four dimensionally um, because of time. You know, if the person is experiencing a depressive episode, but biochemically, biologically, they're bipolar. They just haven't had a manic episode yet. Right. Um, and so their first episode is depressive episode. Right. And then we don't know that. And so they get placed on antidepressant medications that person is at risk for having a manic episode. And in fact, um, when you're thinking about diagnosing mania, that's one of the things you have to rule out. You have to say the person did not have a manic episode simply because they were placed on antidepressant medications. Right. Right. It can commonly happen. Um, and it can create uh, um, sort of this experience mm -hmm. of a, a manic episode simply by having the um, antidepressants. So it's really challenging to to determine so you know you have to do a lot of history to make sure that there is no family history of bipolar disorder and that there's no um genetic predisposition for that before you're giving that initial um, medication treatment for depression yeah yeah you can get in we can get in some difficulties there so another another characteristic is a characteristic is irritability and you can imagine again um, if a person, if it happens that the depression and the mania happen at the same time, now you have sadness with energy, right. okay? And I know of a case where um, an individ a, a individual had some dealing with a um, store, a service provider, and was dissatisfied. And I guess a couple hours later, got back into his car, drove back to the place, stormed in and had this huge tantrum uh, blaming this blaming the uh, person the, who, who provided the service I forget what the what it was it was some haircut or nails or something involving a personal service and just had this huge scene in the middle of with all these people standing around again that's pretty that's 
pretty unusual behavior. So it's, it's not the typical irritability that we see. It, it's, it can be on public display because again, a few boundaries and that intensity comes back. Absolutely. And it kind of flows into the next one, which is um, rapid speech. Um, and it's not just, we're not just talking about fast speech here. We're talking about pressured speech. And I think right. diagnostically it, it refers to it as pressured speech. And so while a person may talk fast, mm-hmm. um, what, we're ta- what we're referring to here is like they just can't seem to talk fast enough to get everything out. It's like they're really forcing out the words because they have so much to say. They have so many things that are sort of going through their mind. Um, you know, we talk, we'll talk about racing thoughts. Um, there's like so much happening in their mind that they just can't get the words out fast enough. Right, right. Um, yeah, and, then, and there, it's not conversational speech. It's not like, oh, wait, wait, let me finish. That's conversational. You know, you're asking for a little more time. Um, they will talk over you and they'll keep talking. Even if you're talking or other people are talking, they will keep talking. And then, and then suddenly they change subjects and they're talking about something else. Again, they just have to get it out. Mm-hmm. And then there, there's, a, there's a great deal of disorganization that comes about with this as well. So this, the next one is talking about like a loss of time. And mm-hmm. in, this is oftentimes associated with, you know, really getting into a particular thing that they're doing, or perhaps even because of that, jumping from thing to thing to thing, they, mm-hmm. they start missing deadlines, have difficulty sticking with the schedule, they're, they're very disorganized. And um, again, can create a lot of problems um, at home and at work. Right. And earlier you talked about impairment. You know, you have to have impairment. And one of the places where impairment shows up is in, uh, is in this eighth one, uh, where people have trouble at work. Right. Because the characteristics, uh, they, take these, they bring these characteristics to the workplace. And you, you talk about time. Uh, they have trouble showing up on time. They have trouble meeting deadlines. They're less productive than coworkers. Their, their life is sort of disorganized and, and there is no good sense of time and schedule and how much do I have to do today? And then they have interpersonal problems with either with coworkers or with supervisors. Yeah, and, and, it, and it's all, again, related to that, even though they're taking on more things, mm-hmm. they're not completing anything. We talked about that earlier. Um, and so it's creating, it does create a lot of problems with time, which was the seventh one, and with work, which is um, number eight. Right. And, and then, of course, number nine is alcohol and drug abuse. Um, many of these, many people with bipolar disorder know that there's something wrong and they can't get the right medications. So they begin to self-medicate. And the most will self-medicate with alcohol. At least that's what um, current research is suggesting. And again, it makes sense because during the manic episode, they use alcohol to slow down a little bit. During the depressive episodes, they uh, drink alcohol or do drugs to improve their mood. Okay, so, so yeah, of course that would make sense. Right. Now, 10 and 11 sort of go together as well. Um, and that is, number 10 is erratic behavior and 11 is grandiosity. Um, mm-hmm. Many times people with bipolar disorder, especially when they're in that manic episode, um, will experience this in, huge inflation in their, their self-esteem. Um, they will oftentimes feel as though they can do anything. Um, but maybe more related to the erratic behavior is that they, they make, uh, they do really unusual and problematic things. And, and so we often hear, for example, about people who have been Baker acted from um, the side of the interstate where they're you know, walking down the interstate 
you know, naked or in the middle of the night or, um, you know, in the, at these strange times and in circumstances, um, just doing very bizarre, weird things. And, um, and that type of erratic behavior oftentimes is what leads to the hospitalization during a manic episode. Right, right. And, and you're right, that goes hand in hand with grandiosity because, and that again is one of the characteristics that we talk about in children because when parents are saying, well, does my child have bipolar disorder? And one of the things we look for, two of the things we look for is irritability, which we mentioned earlier, and grandiosity. You know, these are kids who think they can fly or they can climb up on a roof and be Superman or Batman. Um, there's a, it's a delusional grandiosity, not narcissism. It's a delusional grandiosity. And they're pursuing these grandiose projects rather than everyday things that can be accomplished. They have these grandiose ideas of what they can do. Um, another place where, where it turns out is that people who have grandiosity frequently consider themselves above others or above certain kinds of job. Well, I would never do that. If I'm going to be there, I have to be the administrator or I have to be the president or I have to be the CEO. Oh, I'm, that's beneath me. You know, that idea that I'm, I'm the best and I'm better. Um, and anything else is beneath my dignity. I can't do it. So also look out for grandiosity. Absolutely. Now, now the next one is, um, is probably also an area where, you know, we actually focus the most for treatment, um, not non-medical, non-medication treatment. Okay. And that is, there's a, a, a lot of sleep related issues. Um, right. You know that in depression, depression can either lead to people sleeping too much or not enough or having difficulty falling asleep. And with mania, um, not just that they sleep less or don't sleep as much, is that they don't need as much sleep. They, that energy level that we talked about earlier. And so one of the, one of the main treatments that we focus on to reduce the risk for a manic or depressive episode is maintaining a healthy sleep cycle. Right. Um, many times if a person with bipolar disorder can maintain a good sleep cycle, good routines, um, healthy eating and all that kind of stuff, as we, you were talking about earlier, many times we can reduce the risk of, any of these, either of these mood related episodes, but it's still difficult. Right. Yeah. With sleep problems, it's a little cause and effect problem here is that does the disorder cause the sleep problem or does the sleep problem cause the disorder? It doesn't matter which way it goes. You have to address sleep. If you can address sleep and get a person on a regular sleep cycle, it's going to improve. It's probably going to result in improve, uh, improvement in symptoms. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. so. And then the last one here is that flat of ideas that we were talking about earlier that, you know, the mind is racing, it's moving fast. And many times people, especially in that manic episode, they will talk about their, their thoughts are just going 90 miles an hour mm -hmm. constantly, you know, 23 hours a day. And they're, they're not sleeping because they're, they just can't stop the, their thoughts. And it's not necessarily, um, like psychosis, psychotic related thoughts, like weird, bizarre thoughts. It, it can be, you know, life related thoughts, but they just are going really fast and they, there's just a ton of them and they can't keep them again. They can't keep them organized. They can't sort of stop them or slow them down. Um, and that leads to that pressured speech that we were talking about earlier. And, and there's some of those, and it can affect the sleep and all that. Right. And as, as we go through these, uh, as, as I read through them again, these 13 ideas, 
Um, it's the manic episode that I think is the, both the manic episode and the depressive episode are significant and impairing. Right. The manic episode is simply more obvious. Right. Uh, when a person is in a manic state, the whole world can see and hear that there's a problem. Whereas the depressive episode, we tend to withdraw and hide and stay inside. Um, and it's less obvious. Um, but there would be, if it's bipolar one, there will be little doubt because of the severity and intensity of the symptoms. Absolutely. You know, I remember working with this, this teenager once whose mother had bipolar disorder and mm -hmm. he talked about times where, um, you know, how he had such a difficult time, like having friends over and things like that, but he would have to gauge when to have friends over by the mood that his mom was in. He said that there would be times when she would be secluded in her room and they would sort of literally crack the door open and slide food in and because she just wanted it dark and she wanted to be alone. And that was when she was in those depressive episodes. Depressive, right. Those would be times when it'd be okay for his friends to come over. But when she, he said that when she was in a manic-like episode, he couldn't have his friends over because she was, she was just so high energy, very um, provocative, even with his friends and, um, and just um, very, just very inappropriate in many ways. And it, it made him very uncomfortable and he didn't understand it. So we had to talk about it a lot in, in sort of right. for what those symptoms were. And so that he didn't see his mother in this really negative way that she was struggling with something that she wasn't able to control um, mm -hmm. and that she needed some more help with it. Right, right. Yep. So bipolar disorder, you know, again, it's not just mood swings, um, which is why most people think that they have bipolar disorder. Um, that's why a lot of teenagers will come to us and say that they think they have bipolar disorder. They think their mom has bipolar disorder because, you know, she has mood swings. Um, but usually most of the time, what people are talking about with mood swings are not the types of, of mood swings that we see with bipolar disorder. Right. right. So, uh, yeah. It, it's, it's, um, it's hard to miss if it truly is. Although, as we said, bipolar two might be a little more difficult because you don't have, it's not quite as intense. You don't have the, the impairment. Cyclothymia is even less intense, but much longer duration. So again, it would be the, be the chronicity of it, um, the long um, two, one or two years of symptoms. It's like teenagers. You have to have these symptoms for a year, you know, it, 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 and, and there's, there's little doubt when, when parents come in and they talk about their children, there's little doubt if it's, if it's cyclothymia, because parents will say, you know, he's been like this for a couple of years. Well, then, then that's not just, that's not a simple change in emotion or feelings that are uh, event related. Right. That's a more serious, could be a more serious problem. Absolutely. So check out the articles, the links again are in the show notes and, um, you know, let us know if you have any questions. Uh, but, you know, bipolar disorder is a very serious uh, condition that does need more attention and um, we need to watch out for it. Exactly. Okay. This That's, is the end of Mental Health Awareness Month. It is. This is the last. Um, May is Mental Health Awareness Month. So we're happy that we could, we could talk about this um, sort of increasingly prevalent uh, mental health condition. Absolutely. So, all right. Well, that is it for today. Until next time, stay happy, stay healthy, and forget to be afraid. <laughs>